and welcome to the 80th episode of The Week with Roger, a conversation between analysts about all things telecom, media, and technology from Recon Analytics. I'm Don Kellogg, and with me, as always, is Roger Entner. How you doing, Roger? I'm great. How are you? I'm great. So this week, we're pleased to welcome David Christopher of AT&T to the podcast. David is the EVP and General Manager of Partnerships and 5G Ecosystem. David, welcome. Thanks so much, guys. Great to be here. Absolutely. So let's jump right into it. David, there's been so much talk in the news in the industry about 5G over the last few years. Can you give us your take on where we are with 5G today? Yeah, absolutely. Look, at the end of the day, we're at the beginning of the 5G decade. And, you know, it's really important to put things in perspective with 5G. The reality of it is, is the industry had to do so much table setting to really be at a place where 5G can take off. And that table setting included procuring spectrum, building out the networks, getting handset support for 5G before really anything could start to happen. And we're just at that beginning stage. You know, these Gs, if you will, 1G, 2G, 3G, 4G, 5G, et cetera, conveniently fall into decades. And so here we are, 2022, you know, I would say roughly two years into the decade, even though, and we can unpack this, the industry was talking about it well before that. Yeah, so so let's let's take that decade-long view. You know, where are we and what can we expect, you know, to happen now? The industry spent about $275 billion procuring spectrum, building out networks and infrastructure, and that was a report done with CTA and Accenture. Sitting here today, we've got in the U.S. over 300 million people covered with 5G. Every major handset now supports it. We've been rolling out 5G roughly 40% faster than 4G was rolled out to cover you know, the majority of Americans, 300 million pops. And so that's where we are. And, and you've got to do all those things before you can build the applications and services and have the business model innovation that we saw in 4G on this infrastructure. And so that's exactly where we are today. And we're starting to see things take shape. The interesting thing is this decade is going to be one of some really massive swim lanes of innovation and disruption. And they're all going to need advanced connectivity, advanced connectivity from 5G, from fiber, et cetera. And whether they be things like AI, you know, massive IoT, which 5G supports, you know, 500 times more connections than 4G did, or whether it's AR, VR, mixed reality, you know, which will precede the metaverse. We'll talk about that. You know, advanced healthcare diagnostics, robotization, driverless cars, you know, the list goes on and on about what will happen in these big swim lanes. And I think that that's what's so exciting about about sitting here where we are today. So it's basically building and they will come. And, you know, now we build the foundation. What do you think will be coming first? Because when I look, when I remember back to the 4G days, we thought that, oh, 4G, we will, we will use it to send pictures faster to each other. We didn't, <laughs> right. we didn't expect moving pictures, right? We didn't expect TV, streaming television. What, what do you see? Yeah, no, it's a great question. I mean, look, that's what's so exciting about, about where we are. First of all, 
nobody knows for sure. But, but importantly, we know that this is an incredibly powerful platform. It has many more capabilities and efficiencies than 4G did. You know, step back, and again, we're using this decade concept as a heuristic, but in 2010, nobody would have predicted that we would end the decade in 2020 at roughly 10x the speeds and that we, we, were, we would run our lifestyles in an on-demand fashion, right? On-demand for cars, on-demand for fashion, on-demand for food, you know, the list goes on and on. On-demand for hotels now you know, Airbnb and Verbo, et cetera. Nobody would have predicted that. But but by the way, most of those companies had launched by 2010 or were just reformulating themselves for mobile, but they were small companies and nobody would have nobody would have guessed they would become the BMS that they became. The same thing is true sitting here today. Some of the BMS in 2030 may already be startups today. And their early, early days. So that's that's just some of the ways I look at the world, Roger. So, from your perspective, you you have probably a better view of this than just about anybody else. What are some of the the things that you see that make you excited? Yeah, you're working with these companies on a daily basis. What jumps out from an operator perspective? You know, 5G, it's, it's much more efficient, it's much more capable, it's much more performant. And it's going to couple with technologies, obviously, like edge computing and better security and massive IoT, etc. But importantly, and not many people are talking about this, it has the ability to do network slicing, obviously. Well, actually, let me back up. A lot of the capabilities that 5G is going to ultimately bring to bear aren't even launched yet standalone core, network slicing, et cetera. Those will build the capability and bring the capability for yield management that the operators have never seen. And yield management means the ability to sell different flavors of the network for different use cases and different customers. So it's a huge opportunity for the operator ecosystem to extract better economics and and deliver a better product for our customers collectively as, a, as an ecosystem. Because now you have smart pipes, right? Exactly. That's what it comes down to. Exactly. And that's one point. The other thing, because of better latency, lower, lower lag, lower jitter, higher performance, you're going to see things that were only dreamt about in the 4G world. Like XR you know, capabilities are going to create the early instantiations of spatial web, spatial internet, where you're going to feel like you're within the experience, not just looking through a sheet of glass. And that's where billions of dollars of investment are going in around the world, but in Silicon Valley, just alone, around, you know, this concept of the metaverse. And we all know the metaverse is not going to just show up with some big bang launch, all of a sudden it's here. It's going to be the next generation or next generations of the internet. It's going to happen in phases. So, but that idea of gamification and digital twinning and the implications of that on myriad industries, whether it's agriculture, whether it's tourism, whether it's healthcare, whether it's all forms of learning is tremendous. And then by the way, we can just go down the list. If you look at 
supply chain implications of massive IoT. You know, I spoke about the massive, the ability to have literally billions of sensors in this decade start to monitor, help control, and help to manage almost every facet of our lives. That's another one I see huge implications. So can you make that a little bit more tangible for, for our listeners of what, what that really means? What's like some of the things that really make a difference? I started with, you know, I mentioned manufacturing. A couple of examples. The ability to use robots for efficiency and have those robots either move around a factory floor in an autonomous fashion, there's quite a lot of investment going on there. The ability for a factory worker to use a pair of glasses that are connected for a mundane application like pick, pack, and ship. I no longer have to hold a handheld to scan a barcode or use my hands to move packaging around just so I can collate it and move it. The glasses do that for me is a massive rise in efficiency. That's an example. For example, the autonomous moving of equipment. One of the things that a lot of people don't realize is that 40% of workplace accidents in a factory come from moving equipment. Exactly. And so this eliminates a lot of people getting sick and injured. I'll give you another example. Just the ability to have a sensor be able to tell whether a worker is wearing a hard hat or not. It sounds so simple. But the amount of accidents that happen because people don't have the right equipment on in a factory setting is huge. The ability in a low-cost way to help ensure worker safety there is another simple example. And now let's go to healthcare. Think about the ability to advance diagnostics. These, the images that are being created now are so large, they're unwielded. You can't move them around easily. But with 5G, you can. Not only can you move them around within the infrastructure of a campus, you can move them outside of the campus. So, you, you know, a physician who's remote can diagnose a, a massive 3D image of a tumor. So better outcomes for the patient, more efficiency for the hospital, et cetera. You know, those are good examples of 5G making a big impact. And when can we see that? You're going to start to see them. I mean, again, this is what I... I chuckle about we're 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 just at the beginning of of the decade. They're starting now and you're going to see them, you know, think about a curve that looks flat and then all of a sudden hockey sticks. That's what the innovation curve is going to look like in this decade. And so sitting here and you know 2 years in to the decade and by the way I understand from a listener perspective that well we've been working on 5G a lot longer than that. Yes, of course we have, but we're talking about now from the, the platform being built, now the innovation starts on top. But then, you know, people like us are, are like little children asking, are we there yet? Are, are we there yet? <laughs> That's exactly right. But let's, let's step back out again. BCG and CTA estimate four and a half million new jobs, one and a half trillion towards the GDP of the economy from 5G. Well, that's great and that's impressive. But that doesn't even begin to take into account the layering on effect of these technologies, how they build off each other and how they, they reinforce each other. You know, the technologies of 
AI and IoT and blockchain and, and, and Web 3.0 and robotization and all the things that are need this advanced connectivity. When you layer those things on, the, the impact to our economy in the next decade, I would argue it's going to be as, as transformational as the last two decades. Yeah, and I think a lot of the devices that we're, we're looking for, like AR glasses, haven't been really built yet because the, the technology has to come together. And, you know, it's, I look at, at what the operators are doing as the foundation on which then innovation happens. Exactly. And now that we have the networks, you know, the, the proverbial people in a, in a garage can now innovate on this and, and, and their ideas will come out because we didn't expect Facebook you know, 10 years ago, Facebook to be a mobile phenomenon, not a desktop phenomenon, right? Exactly. Every single industry has, has re-architected itself around mobile in the last decade. There's going to be another re-architecture around the capabilities that 5G brings. And by the way, it's not just 5G, but it's, think about the implications of edge computing, of AI, of storage and compute all coming together in this next decade for capabilities that, again, we could have only dreamed about a decade ago. Can you expand on that a little bit of like, what are the things that you're seeing now that makes you so opt optimistic? Well, moving compute and storage and processing to the edge means that you can start to do these things of low latency that we're talking about and much higher performance compute so that you can have driverless capabilities for use cases. You can start to have extremely low latency for certain applications. And I think that that's what, that's what we're seeing in these industries, whether it be healthcare, whether it be supply chain, whether it be manufacturing. And you're seeing in, in the consumer world, it's, it's going to happen slightly slower, I believe, but it's, it's happening, meaning your example of but we don't even have glasses that are really prime time yet. Yes, we don't sitting here in 2022, but we will in the decade. And, and again, we have to remember this, this stuff comes in waves, but it, it gets built on, you said it well, the platform that we've now built of 5G. And remember, we, the 5G platform will only get better as more spectrum gets added, as we add capabilities and build out things like massive MIMO, we add more efficiency. It's already a much better efficient platform, but things like network slicing, things like standalone core, all that's still coming. Yeah. And we definitely need more spectrum. And we need more spectrum that is dedicated and, and for exclusive use. Exactly right. And that's something we're working really closely with CTIA and you know, the folks in Washington to, to make sure that we have an incredibly robust spectrum roadmap. It, it's so important for the U.S. economy. Yeah, I think, you know, in, in, in summary, I think it's, you know, Ernest Hemingway put it very nicely that things happen first very slowly and then very quickly. <laughs> yeah, it's well said, and it's very apropos uh, where we are early days in this decade. And I think we should all be very bullish on the amount of disruption and innovation that's going to happen in the U.S. as a result. Well, 
great, David. Thank you very much for taking the time to to talk with us and uh, really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to having you again sometime on, on the podcast. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Roger, we'll talk to you next week. Talk to you next week.